right, welcome to Comp Day, everyone. Thank you for tuning in again. This is Dre, and I am your host. Um, just to become more familiar with me again, I'm just like, you know, I'm a proud queer um, black man um, fundraiser. I'm a, um, and I'm 24 years old, and I work in New York City, live and work in New York City. So, yeah, I'm really um, I'm excited to... Um, feature off this episode. Um, this is, but before I name the episode, I want to shout out the employee of the day because um, we're gonna really dive deep into this episode, and I don't want to take any glo- I don't want to take glory away from folks who are doing amazing and phenomenal things out here. Um, because I'm I'm gonna have to like you know, give someone their whole life in a minute. But basically, I want to shout out um this amazing, really inspirational um. Young, he's a he's t- around twenty six years old. That's what Wikipedia said. But it might be wrong, but he's in his twenties. His name is Kareem uh, Abul Naga. So I might have not said his last name correctly, but I'll spell his name. It's K A R I M, and then his last name A B O U E L N A G A. So Kareem um, is the founder and CEO of Practice Practice Makes Perfect. It is a or- for-profit organization um, that was created to support low-income communities, um, especially kids of color, um, in having a supplementary education um, during the summertime because he, um, Kareem realized that a ton of black and brown kids are, don't receive the same type of, um, of education that a lot of privileged children are getting. And that when you miss education for the whole summer, that like sets you off and you're not able to perform the same as your peers. You perform lower academically. So he wanted to empower his community. He's from New York City and he really saw and he grew up poor and he saw these things happen. And he's um, he's of Egyptian descent and he's the child of immigrants. And he saw like this disparity and he wasn't silent. He he actually took action. He took action when he saw a problem and he um, did this while he was a student at Cornell and he's continued on and he still runs this organization as an entrepreneur and supports entrepreneurship. And he supports this organization by having um, empowering teaching fellows who are also either student teachers or teachers and having peer mentors who are those who are from the communities who are not far in age to support these kids. And so he's getting community members' jobs and helping the community empower itself. So I think he's pretty brilliant. I think he's pretty brilliant, you know. So, yeah, so Kareem is a real one. So I want to, like, give him a shout-out, and I think it's just he's amazing. Um, So check him out, um, Kareem Abunaga, and um, support Practice Makes Perfect if you can. And um, they're supporting kids in New York City um, that don't have the resources to have a better education. So I'm about to go ham, and the name of this episode is Me Gusta Mi Cafe Negro. Um, It's Diversity Trainings. So it's named that because, you know, um, if anyone's been aware this week and we've had, I'm not going to say this this dumbass's name because I feel like he doesn't deserve to become famous off my platform and he does not deserve and he's going to be infamous but he's he doesn't he's empowering other hateful 
Rosclot bigots, and I'm not going to give him um, power by saying his name, but we have a Rosclot lawyer um, in New York City who decided that he felt that he could tell people what language they can speak. Um, and he didn't, and for him to do that publicly like that, he's done other things probably off camera, and he probably did not feel, he did not fear losing his job, he did not fear losing his livelihood. And, you know, and a lot of folks are saying like, oh my God, you know, how did this happen? But it's because we have a big diversity issue and and it, and it still and it, it's even in the the professional community as well. He's a lawyer. So, you know, and everyone's saying, oh, like the thing that happened to Starbucks is, you know, they think that just a training is going to fix it. And people, a lot of people feel that, you know, diversity trainings don't work. Um how a ton of people do like I was reading some stuff from the Harvard Business Review and there's um an article that says like diversity training doesn't work and it's by Peter Bregman and he kind of states um a lot there's been so many studies like there uh, there was a study done in the University of Minnesota and they had 829 companies um for over a span of 31 years and there was a really negative reaction to diversity trainings. And a lot of folks just don't feel that it works. Um, however, and, you know, I think it can work. I just don't think they're being done right. So we're here to talk about that because maybe if these diversity trainings were done properly, maybe Ross Klotz, like, the one that I named before wouldn't feel as empowered to do what they do. And there, and we're going to talk about what, what, you know, workspaces are doing wrong and how we can fix that. So diversity trainings, it's, it's like going to the gym. It's like working a muscle. You have to continue it. You don't stop it just because you feel good and look good. Now you have to keep going. You know, there's going to be good days and bad days and we're not going to be perfect at it. So you have to, you know, keep doing it. But the main, I think the main issue where a lot of spaces fail in is diversity trainings should not be facilitated internally by the staff. They should receive external support. So a ton of different workspaces, it's like if you, if you're not an expert at diversity, which most people aren't, and especially most white people are not because they haven't been, they haven't ever been challenged to have to, think about diversity, how do you think that you're going to be the answer to any of this? So you should, you know, receive the support of organizations that actually specialize in these trainings. Um, a few to name if you need if you need them are like Race Forward, Racial Equity Institute, Border Crossers, which is they support edu- so educating educators um, because ed- even education folk need support and diversity because they're failing as well. We're all failing in diversity. It's as the workforce fails in diversity Um, and maintaining it and facilitating it and talking about it. So I I believe that you should get support externally and it shouldn't be done to, to cover your ass. It should not be done. It shouldn't, it should be done proactively and it should be done, you know, year round. And it's the job of the organization to keep themselves accountable. 
They should not control the content that is coming to them because they're not the experts at diversity. They should go to real experts, but they got to stay accountable. They have to say, okay, like let's do this year round. And there's different forms of diversity. There's racial diversity. There's gender diversity. There's um, LGBT, you know, there's sexual orientation diversity. There's all many different forms of diversity, but you should make sure that you're getting all of them covered and you should, source organizations that can support you and be serious and have the budgets ready to support this training because it's important you know it is it's just really important i think i think it's just one of those things that you um you need to do right so if it's like raising money so you either raise money right or you don't do it at all there are no shortcuts to this and it's the same thing if you're going to do diversity work like diversity training do it right or don't do it at all so i think yeah there should be diversity in equity inclusion staff which many companies do have they should be in their positions they should be doing the work to keep their staff and colleagues accountable and making sure that they get the best practices and they're applying that to their workspaces but i think there should also be internal committees and these internal committees should have both people of color in them and white folk. But, um, and it should be led by people of color because people of color um, in the United States, we have to learn about white people to to navigate. So if we already got to the workspace with you, we've had to navigate a lot of different barriers that are not natural to us and learn about you to make it. And you haven't had to learn about us. So, Essentially, we're going to be more experts than you are in this area. Um, so I think it should be led by um, people of color, but it should receive support from um, white folks in the workspace. It should receive the support. And, you know, um, even a main thing is having your leadership. Your leadership should really be all 100% behind this. It's really important. If your leadership is not in into this, if you're taught all your leadership's not, it's going to fail. So I think your leadership should be supporting and I think that white folks should support these committees, but they should take more of a um a silent stand, a more of a silent a backseat, not silent but a backseat in allowing people of color to lead but getting their support. Um yeah, it just needs to happen. These internal committees should feel make people of color feel empowered but also not burdening um employees of color to fix the issue um it we it's not our job to fix the issue it's everyone's so when you put this um this burden and pressure on folks of color that they have to use their expertise on diversity and educate everyone. I think that's not fair either. I think there needs to be a healthy balance of folks that are willing and want to do this, but also not having, you know, not burdening them like you have to fix it all and you have to do this all. It's like, no, wait for the right folks to come. If you, you should wait till you can do it right. Wait till you have the right folks of color that are going to come in and do this or just don't do it at all because it's going to be a mess. Has bad diversity training creates more issues than none at all so i would say if you're gonna do it do it right but really invest in it and do it it needs to be done it it has to but you know people of color you know let's let's be real honest when we're in these diversity trainings we're not uncomfortable about the subject well we're uncomfortable talking about diversity but it's because we're talking about diversity among white folk we're afraid we're afraid we're gonna be we're gonna hear your real honest opinions and i've been in diversity trainings where i've heard real honest opinions of a lot of folks and i was just shocked 
I was really shocked. There were some people who really shocked me and even well-meaning folk who just couldn't really handle the conversation and their reaction shocked me. And we're, we're, we're uncomfortable being in that scenario with you because we feel like there may be retaliation. We're afraid to have to lose our jobs or we're afraid to be in an uncomfortable position or for our relationships to be um, damaged in any way. So we're not uncomfortable at the matter, but I know a lot of white folks are uncomfortable talking about diversity, but it is an uncomfortable topic. It is uncomfortable. And guess what? It's going to keep being uncomfortable, but you need to talk about it because it's literally the elephant in the room that just sits on you and breaks your neck. You have to talk about it or you're going to get fucked up out here. So, you know, I think it's we're uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. Let's be uncomfortable together. But like best know we don't want to really have the conversation, but we know we need to. So, like, let's work together on this. Like, really, because it it translates into things that just become way more harmful. Um, so when you do these trainings, these trainings need to not have everything about diversity in them. Like it has to be, it has to be more micro than macro because if you didn't learn uh, growing up, learning about diversity, um, through K through 12, which no one mostly has. And most people don't have degrees in, um, learning about diversity at all. Um, and even people of color, even though we are a bit, have a bit more expertise, we don't formally learn it in a healthy way. We learn these things in very unhealthy ways. So, you know, everyone needs a re-education to this in general. But make sure that it's very micro. If you're going to just talk about race, just stick it to race. It, you cannot put, like, race and gender and sexual orientation and age and economics all you should keep it intersectional to a point because it does need to like they do intersect they do relate to each other but have a focus do not it is not the time to have everything jam-packed in one session and then do it once a year once to cover your ass because then no one takes the information and really applies or understands what happened because the tension spans are are burned so i think having a very clear Focus. No, what do we want to address? You should be addressing each of those topics, but just be very clear what you want to address. Keep it micro. It's very helpful, but keep going. Don't do it once. Like you should it should be a a thing that happens seasonally. It should be something you if you could do it every month, it should happen. It should be mandatory. A lot of people say, Oh, it shouldn't be mandatory, and there's articles about diversity fatigue. Fuck your diversity fatigue. Let's be very clear. Because you have diversity fatigue you are we're all like we're all getting messed up in this workforce we're all having issues with diversity and we could be doing so much more as a society we could be producing so much more but i'm i'm not gonna prioritize the feelings of privileged folk over folks who aren't privileged in this scenario we're not gonna do that anymore and i'm not gonna be silent about it so let's say fuck it to the diversity fatigue because we also live in you know this administration right now that's happening and we don't have time for this anymore because that's kind of helped get us to this situation so fuck that shit so let's be real clear make it micro it should be mandatory everyone should be going through it and the reason why everyone should be going through it across all levels it should not just be a leader all just leaders are doing it it should be everyone across all levels of the organization and because, one, the leadership has to be really pushing forward and show the people they're leading that they're this is important to them. But also, it needs to be mixed up. It should not be 
don't break up the groups and categories. I understand that a whole work a whole work um population cannot be in one training. You have to split them up. That's understandable. But split them up, you know, don't split them up by categories based on their identity. Um, just split them, mix them up. Don't do it by what level they are or what their positions are. Just mix them up because it's important to everyone. It's going to matter to everyone. We all have to interact with diverse populations at work. Um, well, not everyone does, but it is important if you do, and it's helpful. And it's and, and just betters you in general. But mix everyone up, and it should be facilitated by an external partner so they can give real, honest feedback. And folks at the workspace, people of color who are pressured to lead them, don't feel like they're going to be retaliated against. Or you have... um white folk there who don't know everything and they start trying to say things and you're sitting there like thank you but like you're missing a lot of things so it needs to be led by an external partner but it's the job of the workspace to keep their workforce accountable so revisiting the the content is what the is what like your director of dei or your director of diversity or the committee that you should be having internal committee they need to keep it accountable. Use the content and keep applying it. But also don't have other topics in it. Like I've been to diversity trainings in which like you'll have um, we're talking about race and then they start trying to apply other things like, oh, we're also going to apply this into our like, let's get better database systems and let's do it. No, these things are not equal. These things are not the same. We're here to talk about race in this conversation we're not here to i just feel like you know it, it just feels like your race is like talking about race gets pushed back like it's another subject it's like no no don't be colorblind in this bitch like we're not gonna do it i'm black you are whatever you are we're gonna talk about these things and we're gonna have goals set goals that are specific to this topic for other trainings we will work on other topics but in these trainings i think keep the keep the goals and the work and the activities very specific to the training, but don't call out people. I would say, you know, facilitate it, but don't, but like, yeah, don't do that, please. It's just like calling out folk and, and mixing different topics that are not related to the diversity topic. is just like, it's just disrespectful and it's like counterproductive. Um, yeah, pretty much. And yeah, it it everyone needs to be going through it. We do. So yeah, um that's what I feel about that portion, but also um the orgs that are conducting it, I think that different workspaces have different populations. They have different racial breakdowns, they have different needs. Um the organizations that are facilitating it, make sure that it there's no cookie cutter thing that's going to go to every organization. You have to be very unique approach to everyone you have to find out that org's needs because let's say it's a let's say it's an organization that's predominantly um latino that's going to be a very different diversity conversation and there may be more of a conversation to do it there maybe you have to maybe add in like talking about colorism you may have to add in other things you can't have that same conversation with that organization versus an organization that's predominantly white or if the leadership is overwhelmingly overwhelmingly white and then the and those who are not leadership are POC that's a different conversation you have to make sure that your the content is catered for the audience properly so you should you should the things you need to find out before you commit to this 
And this is to the orgs that want to partner to help, like the organizations that specialize in these trainings to support um, workspaces. How many leaders do you have on your staff? What is the racial breakdown of these leaders? And, and you can't just say just POC because it's a very different scenario if you have POC and they're all Asian or if they're all Latino or they're all just black. You have to find out what they are because it's important because the, the conversation is very different. Not all people of color go through the same experience. We go, we go through different experiences. Being black is very different than being brown and it's very different experiences. So we have to talk about you have to be very clear what are what is your leadership racial breakdown and then what is your staff your your all together what is the staff's racial makeup um whatever you can get like reported whatever you can get but and then find out how well are they retaining staff and there should have been a satisfaction survey or a satisfaction you know report done prior to the diversity training happening so the diversity trainers can go in and give more specific and a more catered um, experience to the folks that they're facilitating to, because it's just like, it's just, you, you can, it can be hit or miss. If you use the same cookie cutter, it gets very hit or miss. And I mean, the only way to do better, because I think a lot of, I hope that this, this specific episode can also support white allies who want to do better or support folks to do better. And this is also applies to both people of color and white folks. Diversity is difficult. It is not easy. It is not comfortable. We don't like it just as much as you don't like it to deal with it. It's uncomfortable. We, it's necessary. We have to have these conversations. We have to, or we're, we can be so much, we can, we can, we can go so much farther if we, work together to do this. But the, it's hard to tell a lot of white folk or even people of color to work on diversity when they do at work when they have never had to do it in their everyday life. It's like asking someone to do rocket science and they don't have any background to do it. It's not fair either to have that expectation. So be patient. That's all. I think one thing I want to ask of folks, be patient in the process and be willing, but also incorporate this in your everyday life. Because if you incorporate it in your everyday life, you're not going to have a hard time in these trainings. That's why it's so uncomfortable and you feel like you want to punch a wall or cry or flip out. And we're not doing no white tears no more. We don't have time for that. But that's why you have them because you don't do it in your everyday life. So like, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you have to do be someone you're not, but like try to make friends that don't look like you. There's tons of, I grow through tons, I know tons of people who all their friends look exactly like them, have the same economic background as them or come from the same place, everything. Be open, make some friends that don't, maybe don't have the same background as you or explore that. And that, and you know how you know that you're doing it right? When your friend who is not the same background as you lets you into their world and you start learning things that you never knew about. Like being invited, if you're like a white person being invited to an all-black space, you pretty much made it. You pretty much did good. Um, but you, and maybe the folks that are not the same religion as you, or maybe people not the same sexual orientation as you, it's it's difficult. Like we we like to cling to and go towards things that are make us comfortable, but this whole comfortability game is not working anymore. It's not helping. So I strongly, strongly encourage, make friends 
make advocates, make allies, make acquaintances who are not you. Think about that. Think about your life. Think about everyone who's close to you in your life. And if they all pretty much are the same as you and and you're you're not in a especially if you're not in an environment that's not homogeneous, maybe there may be a problem that you have to address. But it's something we all have to address. We're all going to fail in diversity where none of us are perfect. I'm not even perfect in it. I fail all the time. I mess up all the time. But I try. And I, and I work to learn. And, it, and I work to learn. And I know where I have even have privilege in other senses. I know where my privilege is. And I try to use my privilege properly. And I ask those who I want to support, how do you want to be supported? How can I support you? But I, but I, I can do that because I have a genuine, honest, real connection and relationship with folks that are different than me. So that's what I want to leave you with. If you want to, so my main points, because I said a lot are get, if you're, if you, you need to do diversity trainings and the reason why, and if you're going to do them, get external support from real specialists. And leadership needs to keep staff accountable and themselves accountable and support people of color to be the leaders in this. And white folks just need to support, but take a back seat because you also have to learn. And do this in your everyday life. Try it. Think about it. Think about your circle. Expand it. I promise. Make one friend that's not like you, and I promise it will make your world a lot more open a lot more unique and I think it'll make it a lot more fun. So that's what I have for you. That's my two cents um, on diversity trainings. Um, I hope they happen. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Peace out.